let me tell y'all about Ma Energy. If you haven't jumped onto the superfuel train, there's no better place to start than Ma Energy. It's specifically formulated to give gamers an edge over the competition. Their energy and focus blend gives you a sugar-free, no-crash energy boost, sharpening your perception and accelerating your reactions. I just spent $100 on this stuff because its pricing is so good and comparable to most energy fuel for gamers. There's so much energy that one small package is worth $150 of Red Bull, but it's better for you and more effective. The rewards program is easy to use, getting points for following on socials, but also for each dollar you spend. With it, you can get discounts on flavors or even a free shaker for your drinking ease. They also sell blue light glasses if you want to take better care of your gaming habits. For it to work, you need to click on the link in our description so you can use discount code MA10 and get 10% off at checkout. If you want to get 10% off, be sure to click on the link in our description and use discount code MA10. On today's episode, it's me. Just me. I'm sitting down and telling my story um, about my spiritual life and my spiritual walk. Tune in. It's a, it's a really good story. Um, the discussion about my story amongst uh, me and Kai and JB will happen next week. So you can tune in for that next week. But uh, without further ado, here is my spiritual story. Let's get it. <laughs> Welcome back to the TCC show. Uh, my name is Noah. <laughs> it's actually just me today. Um, so Kai and JB are my two co-hosts, if you didn't know anything about this show. Um, and they are sitting in the room with me as I tell my story. Their mics aren't on. They're just sitting back taking notes. Um, and I'm going to tell my spiritual story. Uh my story isn't really anything crazy. Uh, it might be actually. There are some. There are some crazy moments or moments that will take you, the audience member, uh, and probably throw you for a loop of like, "Wow, that person said that." So, if you're new to the show um, or you're just listening to this episode of the spiritual series. Uh, a quick reminder, something, a boundary, not just something, a boundary that the guys and I have set with you, the audience, is to go back and listen to all episodes of the spiritual series before engaging in discourse with us. You can ask pointed questions or uh, make comments about, oh, like that, um, that scenario or that situation or that story didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, maybe clarify that a little bit. Those kind of comments are great to ask clarifying questions. Um, but while we are in the thick of recording and telling our stories and discussing them, we are not going to be engaging in any sort of discourse or debate or deep theological talks because we are already focused on that on our side. So, you don't have to worry about that on your side until after the series is over, and then we can engage in some discourse. And there will be a time for fan questions later on. There will be a whole episode devoted to that. So write them down as they come. Maybe write down the timestamp. That's always helpful for me when people come up to us and talk about the podcast. They say, hey, you guys said this, or you said uh, this about this person. Um, 
that wasn't necessarily true or that's not how I interpreted the situation. And my first reaction is, what's the timestamp so I can go back and listen to this? This is episode 86. We've done a lot of these. We've done more than 86. Uh, we've probably done about 100 at this point. Uh, some of them we were we forgot to hit the record button. Um, but all of that aside, this episode is dedicated to my story, me talking alone. Um, and then next episode, next week, will be the discussion on my story. And then the week after that, Kai will share his story, and we will repeat this pattern of one person talks, then we all discuss it. So, a little bit about me. I was born into a Christian household. Uh, both of my parents are together, and I am very grateful and lucky for that. Um, we were church surfing until about 2007. In 2007, I joined Philida Baptist Church. At the time, it was called Philida Baptist Church. Um, and I went directly into all of the kids' programs, and uh, my parents got really involved with this church. We had tried a bunch of churches that uh, didn't have a very homey feel. They weren't uh, very kid-oriented, and so my parents chose Philida to start going to. And they actually, I actually remember them teaching some of the classes uh, to the youth, uh, to like the children's program, um, when I was, well, I was out of school now that I think about it a little bit more. Um, so my parents were super involved and we were super involved in the church. Um, and I feel like my spiritual story kind of kicks off with, um, my brother actually dedicating his life to Christ. And my brother is two years younger than me. Um, and I remember my brother saying the prayer because at the at that age you like say the prayer that um, ex- you where you accept Jesus into your heart, and then uh, in some families they throw you like a little party, and some families they go and post it about it on Facebook or whatever. Um, but I remember my brother doing that, and I could hear from the next room him doing that, and my parents were super thrilled. Um, And I remember thinking like, oh, like I want my parents to feel super thrilled about me doing that too. Um, And I didn't pray that prayer that night, Um, but I ended up doing it, oh, I want to say a few nights after or maybe a week after or two weeks after. Um, And some people that are born into the church, they talk about how they they prayed the prayer and then they didn't really feel any different. Uh, That was not the case for me. I felt this like... um, like flooding of the Holy Spirit. Like when you uh, are deep in worship and you can feel the Spirit like actually moving um, as a physical thing. I felt that when I prayed the prayer. Um, But that was, that was at a very young age. Um, And so as I moved up into middle school, I joined the middle school group as a, I call it like a tweener age. So when you hear JB's story, JB has a different generation than me. And when you hear Kai's story, Kai has a slightly different generation than me as well. Um, I felt like I was one of the only 
like sixth graders that was or fifth graders moving into sixth grade, which was youth group at that time. I was one of a few that moved up where usually when a class graduates up into the next grade or from primary to middle or middle to high, there's usually a much bigger group um, that has a more significant impact on how the youth group functions or how uh, maybe even a middle school functions. So in middle school, I started to develop this this like three-way identity, I guess you could call it. Um, somewhere in middle school, I kind of put more of the pieces together and do that like safety prayer net kind of thing where it means a little bit more to accept Jesus into your heart and you kind of understand and comprehend like the weight of what being a Christian means and the weight of what following Jesus means. Um, but I start this, um, I guess you could call it pattern, but I would call it maybe a diagram instead where at home I'm like a super brat to my parents, always arguing and fighting and getting physical with them. Um, as well as, at church, I was the quiet kid, kept my head down, didn't talk to anyone, was super awkward. You've heard Kai and JB and some of the other guests talk about it. Uh, the quiet kid in the corner, and at school, I was the straight A student. So I'm living three different, You could, I guess you could call it three different lives, but it's one life, just three different aspects that have never... Um, touched each other or intermingled with each other. So as I move into uh, middle school, I ended up meeting Kai. And uh, we talked about this episode one, which I do not recommend anybody goes back and listens to because the audio is trash. We have no idea what we're doing. We're sitting in JB's parents' house trying to figure out how to work two mics with three people Um, anyways, I meet Kai in tag and Kai and I actually didn't click at first. I didn't click with anybody in that tag group at first, um, because I was the quiet kid at church. Um, and as tag starts up and there is, there was a leader who I think was out of high school at the time. I could be wrong on that. Um, but there was six or seven of us, so it's this t- close-knit group of guys. Um, at one point, I realized, I think that joining TAG was the moment that I realized I was in this like tweener generation, because I didn't mix with the two, with the, yeah, there were a few guys older than me. I didn't mix well with them, because they were a little bit more mature, but had their, like, I don't know, un- immature tendencies. And then all of the guys below me, uh, below my grade, were also, like, pretty immature. And for Kai, I realized that it just clicked that, like, oh, this guy's pretty mature. I think I could vibe with him. And we had some, like, pretty mature conversations and moments 
and I realized like from there on, like, oh, this guy's going to end up being my best friend. Um, and that's true to this day. JB enters the picture. Uh, I want to say like early middle school, maybe primary school. I remember looking behind me, my family always sat and they probably still do. If, if my parents are still going to the church, they sit two rows up from the back of the church and JB, JB and his parents usually sat, uh, I want to say in the last row or maybe one parallel to us, but I remember looking over like he's worshiping with his parents, like, dang, this guy is super legit, super cool. Like I want to be like this guy, like this guy's got it together. This guy's like, like a pretty cool dude. I began at Philida to make these super in-depth, well, mostly in-depth. It was the start, as deep as middle school can get with a bunch of immature guys. Um, I started to develop deep relationships with these guys. And all of my time at Philida, I was building deep relationships with people that um, I won't ever regret making. Like Those are all people that I hang out with to this day. Like, I met my wife through the church. Like, I do not regret going to Philida. So, Tag tag ends up being this pretty big deal. Um, you show up to Tag uh, about once. It was once a week, and then in the summer it was a little bit, uh, maybe like once a month. It was kind of strenuous. Um, but we show up to Tag once a week, and the leader is... There, we're playing games, we are talking about the Bible as just a close-knit group of people, um, and me and these this group of people throughout high school and throughout middle school end up getting, like, super deep um, and super close-knit, especially towards the end of the group, um, and as we moved through middle school, we talked about um, reading our Bible And the question of, did you pray or how's your relationship with God? And um, the format started to have a very much checklist-like equation, I guess you could call it, of answering those questions during an accountability time. As I moved up in middle school... um, I lived in Battleground, and the church is located in uh, Vancouver. I don't know why I stuttered on that. <laughs> it start, it's located in Vancouver. And so Vancouver School District and Battleground School District have different school times. So school, for me, got out at 3.40, whereas Vancouver School District, I think, got her out around um, oh 3.30. I know that because of the zone, (laughs) Um, which meant I would miss a lot of the after-school programs, and um, my only chance to really get plugged into Philida were, or at least I was plugged into Philida. I wasn't plugged into necessarily the people at Philida outside of tech. I was able to look up to JB's generation or even higher and they had built a community as well. They were also going to school with each other. 
that was something that I didn't get the chance to do. I didn't get the chance to go to school with um, my generation that was moving up through the church. And even if there, even if I had been a part of a generation at that church, I wasn't going to the same school as them. Um, so this kind of starts to, I don't know, in my head, it starts to develop like this dream team of like these people, this generation, these high schoolers are like so focused on God and what he has to say about the world. And they are devoted and crazy about serving God. Um, and they are a super close knit circle. They've kind of defined or, um, shown all of the younger kids, what it means to be in a super close knit community. Um, what it means to look or what it looks like to be part of a community that's in all of your circles, not just church or not just school or not just home life. Like those things are very much integrated with each other. Um, And so their bond is super close and they are just on fire for God. Actually, I know that. I don't think that. I know that that was super hard for me, like moving up in the grades of um, not having necessarily a generation to click with. Like there wasn't, I had my tag group and those guys were great. Um, but I don't think I realized how great they were until I moved into high school. Um, and even then it clicked even more of, wow, like this, this generation above me, like they've really set the bar and they, um, they're really involved with each other, other's lives and they're super close knit. And like, they are the cool people. Like they are what, um, you know, we're aspiring to be as high schoolers. We want to be, you know, like the next generation, those cool kids on the block that are super fired up and pumped about God. Um, but I didn't have the opportunity to even, uh, move into that with a close knit community. You get this promotion of Enos to zone staff and then that's when I became zone staff was my sophomore year. And that was pretty good to like finally start to be a part of the clique or the like cool crowd. Um, so as soon as I got off from school, I would rush over to the church um, and start to be a part of zone And I think I played a much more of a background role at first, uh, a lot of setup and, uh, like equipment management stuff. But then as start, as I started to move through high school, I started to play much bigger role in the zone. And I'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, so I, end up going through heart change at the time of my sophomore year. It was spring break. And up until this point, I understood like the fire for God, but I don't think that I necessarily felt it as my peers did. During this time, I'm starting to hang out with 
JB a little bit more, uh, more so JB's buddies. Um, and heart change came to Philida when the Macintoshes came to Philida, when Kai's family came to Philida. And um, it was this like really, it still is kind of, it's this very secretive thing. Um, everybody that's grown up in Christian culture has heard about the the workshops that you have to do. Like this workshop will change your life. Um, and what they would do is they would open up Sundays to, so the workshop starts on a Thursday and ends on a Sunday, but on Sunday, anybody can go to their service and they have a little, uh, designated, not a little, it's a pretty big designated time to these people sharing a little bit of their testimony. They share, uh, things that they've been learning through the, uh, workshop. And then they share, uh, kind of one final experience with the crowd or the congregation. And my first impression of heart change was all of these people standing up, all of these people are crying and being super vulnerable with the crowd. And you can tell that there's a lot of pain in a lot of these people. And I was like, man, I don't want to go through that. Like, I don't want to be crying in front of the entire congregation. Um, and Kai being my best friend at the time, he's always talking about, well, I don't know why I said at the time. <laughs> Kai being my best friend ended up going, well, he had gone through before and he and the Macintoshes were having a lot of our congregation go through and all these people were talking about how great it was, but they wouldn't tell you what it was that was so great about it or what you would experience by going through the workshop. And me being the control freak that I am, did not want to walk into something that was clearly painful for people to dig up and not know how to prepare for it which is pretty much the point of heart change. They're not going to tell you what's going on so that when you start digging shit up, then you experience healing. <laughs> that is heart changes mission statement. Dig all your shit up and we're not going to tell you what you're experiencing. <laughs> that is not correct. That's a joke. <laughs> um, so I ended up JB went through before me and he experienced a lot of healing and a lot of good things from heart change and this newfound passion for Christ. And me looking up to JB, I wanted that. And I knew that Kai had that. And more and more people, part of the congregation were starting to go through this workshop and have this same passion. And so I was one of those stubborn people that was like, no, I'm not going to go through, like, I'm not going to do that. Um, and it didn't necessarily make sense with my schedule to do it. You start on a Thursday and then you end on a Sunday, which means I would have to take two days off of school. Well, spring break comes around and I thought that I had my sophomore year spring break totally planned out. I was going to do all this crazy stuff with my friends and everything fell through and so I think it was the Monday of spring break, I was like, well, this is a clear sign from God that I should go through heart change. 
And so I talked to my mom a little bit and I was like, well, I think I'm going to sign up for heart change. And I did so and I drugged my feet doing so. Um, Showed up to heart change on the first Thursday with uh, pretty much a bunch of people that I didn't know. Uh, Kai's brother went through the same workshop as me, Kai's younger brother. Um, This girl that went to the church that I knew and uh, a few other people that I had seen around the church. Um, and so I went through with the attitude or the understanding that this was for people in their midlife crisis, people that really needed to dig up some shit after their parents died or after, or when their parents are nearing death so that they're now digging up all of this unresolved things with their parents, or they've had a loved one die Um, I don't know why, but heart change was just, okay, death has happened. Now we go to this workshop usually, or at least my understanding at the time, usually people went through a workshop if they had something going wrong. And I felt like I had things pretty good. Um, and I was wrong. The first day of heart change is a lot of icebreaker type things, type of, uh, I guess, programs or experiences to allow your TA to learn about where you're at with God and where you're at with people. Um, And there were a lot of experiences where I was the oddball out. And um, I did not like that. Um, And I don't know why, but I had a very hard heart at the time. And for whatever reason, God broke that down the first day. And I had multiple breakthroughs or (laughs) I have always interpreted breakthroughs as just, okay, he's crying and obviously crying hard. And so he's working through it. So he's had a breakthrough and now let's feed some like good stuff into him. Um, Mm. A lot of the things that I broke through were the relationship that I had with my parents because I knew it wasn't good and I knew that I was a disobedient kid. Um, But I think it was more so like this blending or this compartmentalized life that I had been living where I was the straight A student at school and then at church I was the quiet kid. At home, I was the terrible kid with my parents, still arguing with them. Um, And it just kept escalating more and more. Um, And I had carried a lot of baggage or guilt, I guess you could call it. It, Guilt, but I'm sure there was more mixed in with that baggage of not necessarily understanding like what to do with like emotion or the feeling, the feelings that I had collected throughout the years of sinning or, um, just experiencing like this dream team or being an outsider or uh, not clicking well with some of the other guys in my tag group. Um, So I felt like that experience going through heart change was the switch on to what emotion was as well as 
what the spirit can do for you um, and what the spirit can do through you. So Thursday of the workshop was my breakthrough. And then Friday is more of a uh, daunting day. What do they call it, Kai? Freedom Freedom Friday. That's where you, and Kai will correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. That's where you, how I have perceived it, walk through the crummiest, dirtiest parts of your life and um, knock down the walls that you have put up uh, surrounding some of those. Friday didn't necessarily do a whole lot for me looking back at it. Um, There were processes that I went through that I, it wasn't necessarily clear on how I was to engage in the processes, so I didn't do them right. Um, But I felt like a lot of the processes after Thursday were geared towards an older, more traumatized group. And I think that I had the understanding that I I had my work, like my work through, like I had my breakthrough moment on Thursday. I cried multiple times during a lot of the processes. Um, and I understood and unlocked like this emotion of, oh, this is how I actually feel. And this is what I can do with it. Um, a lot of tools are given on that Thursday, that first day. Um, so I came back Friday, like pretty motivated to be there. I remember Thursday, the going into Thursday, I didn't want to be there. And Friday I was like, okay, I want, like, I want to be here. Saturday is the party day where you have, where, where the workshop flips to now, okay, well, we've knocked down all of this really dark stuff, um, in your life where we've uncovered it. Now it's time to fill this hole that we just dug up, but we're going to fill it with a lot of good things. Um, and we did that that day and that day was super good. And I, I think I ended up bonding closer with the community that I was in that day. Um, and then Sunday, like I said, that's sharing day to the whole group. Um, Sunday went pretty well. Sunday was a lot of, uh, take home items that I, that I took, but, um, kind of disregarded because I still had this like feeling of like, well, this is kind of for like 40 and above like midlife crisis people, because I haven't experienced that yet. I don't know how to, I don't know how to use that tool. I I couldn't even tell you how to apply that tool in my life because I haven't been through that. Um, I later realized through Kai that I still need those tools. Um, and Kai has helped me actually my wife and Kai and a lot of other people that have been through higher change have helped me use those tools um, even now in my life. So heart change was really good for me. It it unlocked this like, I don't know, I feel like it unlocked the spirit. Not that the spirit wasn't in me before, which you can debate your theology all you want um, with that. But it 
un it like flipped on this light of emotion and what the spirit does um and how the spirit moves i remember feeling the spirit move at uh church of truth with jb and gavin and they were kind of like if you want to feel more of this like heart change is the move dude like you have no idea what you're missing out on and after going through heart change i realized like there was a whole team of people praying for me that i didn't even know about that had had noticed this like quiet kid in the corner like not being true to himself and that he should go through this life-changing workshop um a good a, a really big takeaway for from heart change um and it's a process that i've done a few times now after heart change is uh like discovering what your root lie is um and for me it is I am always searching for the acceptance of others. Um, and so when you work through like, oh, well, I felt like an outsider in Philida because I wasn't a part of a significant generation or I didn't uh, see my church peers at school. You ask why to get to a deeper root of, well it makes me feel not important or it makes me feel like um, I could fail. Those are, those are pretty big ones in my life. The being afraid to fail um, or being seen as not enough, um, which is a three pretty much to a T um, on the Enneagram scale. Sorry. So after heart change, I am living on this like pretty good high. Now I had never been to a summer camp per se that lasted all summer long or a week long throughout the summer. And so I hadn't as, and my peers had, so they kind of understood what that looked like and what that meant. Um, that was something that I never experienced, but there was a pretty significant group, uh, of the church amongst the church that was going to go and serve at the summer camp. Um, and there were people more so my age that would be serving at this summer camp as well. So I ended up going to camp to serve, um, on like what they would, I don't want to use the word dream team cause I've already used that. Um, let me just distinguish that dream team can also be used for the title of this group. Um, and dream team can also be used for, uh, the title of the group at church that I looked up to or that I saw above me. Um, so I go to camp to work on dream team. And what that looked like was a lot of the grunt work running games, or making sure that games operated uh, smoothly, that all the materials were there, that all of the um, support was provided for those that were in charge of uh, maybe zipline, or games, or water slide, or um, maybe some of the counseling team, and watching over their cabins for a little bit so that they could get a break. Um, 
that was a lot of dream team work. It was getting dirty in the dish pit um, with a lot of other people that were 15, 16, 17, and 18. Um, and that summer was a very good thing. Camp was always and will always be a very good thing in my life. Um, it definitely cemented a lot of what heart change taught me and showed me that there were more peers than I had recognized that were on fire for Jesus and that wanted to be there and wanted to serve at the same level that um, I was serving at. And so I got super close with um, a lot of people, including my wife, who was just a friend at the time. Um, and it was an amazing experience. It established uh, like this camp family type of uh, type of relationship with all of these people. We would stay up super late talking super deep with each other about what we had heard in the speaker that week or because we could sit in on the sessions or waking up super early to get dishes done to the entire camp. Really like working hard and serving God in um, a way that was needed, but it wasn't in an upfront kind of way. We were able to sit in the back in the background and uh, make sure that camp was working. Um, and there's where I met a lot of awesome people, established great relationships, um, relationships that even today I still have, and they're more than just camp fam. Camp was camp was very removed as well. <clears throat> when I went, I had unlocked this freedom from the rules that my parents had set in front of me. Um, I grew up in a much stricter home than most. And when I looked around at the people around me, they didn't have as strict parents as I did. And I definitely envied that, but I think it more grew into frustration and a lot of arguments with my parents because they would not allow me to do the things that I was seeing my peers do. Um, And for good reasons, and uh, I think that they were right most of the time in doing so, Um, but sometimes the rules felt very silly, and so uh, I definitely wasn't a fan of that. So, going to camp that was, you know... almost 300 miles away it was a new experience for me and a bit of of the taste of freedom that heart change kind of gave me heart change gave me this freedom in exploring my emotions and and you know engaging with the spirit and now to move to camp not only am I solidifying those things but I'm also developing this like physical freedom for my parents where I can kind of move as I'd like and establish friendships and stay up late with these people and um, interact with them outside of my my parents telling us 
you know, telling me what to do. Uh, there were a lot of late nights hitting the town and um, going out and bonding with the a few p- members of the generation of the dream team that was above me. Um, so I got to hang out with the cool kids super late. My junior year, I came home from camp. And so I came home from camp and entered my junior year, sorry, and ended up enrolling in a program called Running Start where I could earn my associate's degree while still completing the last two years of high school. Wasn't really involved in the whole high school um, thing. I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't the guy to go to prom or to go to the football games. Like I'd go here and there with Dallas and some of his buddies, but we just dick around the whole time. So um, that wasn't something that I was fond of doing. And so I move into running start and in running start, I was no longer bound to going to school every day and um, having my parents check in on my grades and what's going on in my classes and um, oh, you missed the school bus. Like, how'd you get to school? And like trying to operate as what felt to me as a young kid, as I started to grow into adulthood and proved in my academics that I could handle, um, deeper thought and, uh, more responsibility. It, uh, it felt very, um, what is the feeling? It felt very, I don't know, disrespectful, I guess, or hurtful that my parents didn't understand, like, hey, I'm mature and I'm kind of figuring it out here. Like, maybe, like, give me some more length on the leash. Um, And they did through Running Start because they knew how good um, earning your associates while you are finishing high school is. And so, uh, I made it, I made it so that my schedule was, I went to school every Tuesday and Thursday for my entire time, uh, doing running start. And that was a very good thing. I had the freedom to do the things that I wanted to do as well as homework on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then I was at school all day on Tuesday and my parents didn't have the, um, authority isn't the right word. It's more the knowledge. Cause if they knew that I was skipping some of the classes, they probably would have been pretty angry with me and I would have been disciplined for it. Um, but they didn't know that I would be skipping some of my classes because they no longer had access to my grades or my attendance records. And, you know, being in running start now, I didn't have attendance in some of my classes. Um, and so I took the time to take advantage of that and kind of let loose a little bit, but I understood the weight of running start and definitely, took it seriously. I I completed high school with my associate's degree. So I did a good job in and at Clark. Um, but that first, that first quarter and 
really all of Clark. That first quarter was extremely difficult. There was a lot of life things that happened. Um, and I'd heard from a lot of people going to going to Clark and doing running start for the first time. They said, said like, it's going to be hard your first quarter and probably harder your second um, as you adjust to how life is being self-managed and self-motivated. Um, and so it was, it was super hard then. Um, but it was hard the entire time for me to continue to do this for two years without the help of my parents or very little help of my parents. And they have, you know, tighter, stricter rules, um, in their house for me. So my junior year, I, in my senior year, I started to develop more of a presence within the church. And now that I had gone through heart change and gone to camp, I kind of understood, um, what it looked like to have all three of my lives or my aspects, aspects of life, uh, coexist together. My friends started meeting some of my other friends from different boxes. That's when Kai ended up meeting Andre, uh, when I was away at camp. I ended up becoming, uh, zone morphed into multiple things while I was going through it. They threw out the whole Enos thing while I was going through, uh, and leading. They ended up making me a lead or, uh, like a senior uh, zone staff, um, which meant that I was the lead of a team. So the teams consisted of multiple high schoolers that were younger than me, um, and I would oversee how they um, interacted with the program. So I was in charge. I was part of a number of leads interacting with the programs and planning the the programs and figuring out, okay, how do we, uh, serve the middle schoolers, but also how do we teach the, uh, high schoolers to serve the middle schoolers? Um, and I think this was my early entry to how messy church structure is and, um, kind of what, how how the church like functions in um dealing with conflict at least from the church that I had experienced um and I'll talk about that a little bit later um something that I had realized starting the starting my I guess it was my junior year, starting my junior year and and moving into high school was a lot of uh, self-reflection questions, but also questions that reflected the church um, of just why, a lot of whys. Um, And that's a pretty typical time for someone to have a lot of whys when it comes to the church in their junior and senior year. Um, something that had occurred to me at tag was why do we move through this like legalistic answering question time of checklist items of, did you read your Bible? Did you pray? Did you 
not look at porn? Did you not masturbate? Like, did you do all of these characteristics that would show if you called yourself a Christian? Um, Or even what it looked like in being a lead on zone is, okay, how do we operate with the zone students now? I had previously seen a lot of skits and sketches and videos of this older dream team ahead of me operating with these students and um, as culture, as society and culture progressed, we started to move into a time where um, you couldn't have a guy dress up as a girl for a video because we had middle schoolers coming to our programs that actually did that and we wanted to be sensitive to how they felt and what they identified themselves as and we wanted to learn how to um, minister to them and and love them and uh, show them what the truth is what we believed was and um that brought up a lot of questions on or just raised the eyebrow on like why does the church do the things that they do um so that was like my first taste of it i ended up going after my junior year i went back to camp a second time to be on the grunt team the dream team um and it was really, really good. The second time I went to camp was awesome as well. I had, I got to see all of these people that I had formed a relationship and a bond with the year before. Um, and we just furthered that camp community, that camp family relationship. Um, I didn't realize how significant my, uh, my time at camp was. I had spent a little bit of time uh, co-counseling with with one of my leaders at the time and he and I ended up running some programs as well and being kind of the front stage up and center guy um and some of the people at camp had said like Noah if you didn't come back to camp like there was no way that I was going to come back to camp um so it felt really good to be valued at camp and that uh my importance there mattered just as much as everybody else's. Um, and at at that year of camp, I, I got a little bit of a taste of everybody's job. I got to do a little bit of uh, high ropes course things. I got a little bit of time to do uh, some program type stuff, uh, help out with worship type stuff. Um, I got more time in the counseling seat working one-on-one with uh, the cabin kids that came through and, uh, that summer was really, really good. I ended up living with, um, yeah, it was that summer, wasn't it? That I ended up living with Andrew who has actually been on the show before. That was a really good time too. I ended up forming much more of a connection with him there. And I got to further the connection that I had to, uh, this camp community and this camp family in this, uh, in this small town, 300 miles away. And, uh, so I came back and went into my senior year and I started to 
dive deeper into some of those why questions. I think camp had given that second time had given me the boldness to um, explore the questions of like, well, why don't I bring my friends to church? What is the environment? What is it about me as well as what is it about the environment that, um, that makes me feel weird about inviting my friends or why are, relationships in youth group put on this pedestal? Why don't, why don't I see my fellow brothers in Christ bringing girls? Why do we ask the check-in questions instead of, hold on, how's life actually going? Um, so it gave me some more time to, to kind of go through those questions in my head and to, uh, I don't know, explore how I felt about how, some of the operations went. After I graduate, so I come home from camp and I finish up my year at Running Start as a senior. I walk with all of my friends across the high school stage with my associate's degree and accomplished what I had set out to do. Um, I ended up going back to camp for a third year. This time I was an intern. I was going to be an intern after camp had ended. So I was I was going back to camp no longer on this grunt dream team. I was now going to be a part of the program team and I was in charge of leading all of the games and all of the activities that would happen during the day that were aside from the ropes course and uh, anything else that uh, the other teams had to handle. So I wasn't a part of worship. I wasn't in charge of planning any of that. It was just strictly games. um, And I guess you could call them like filler activities aside from like the spiritual work that is going on between worship team and the counseling team and, you know, breakfast bonding and stuff like that. Um, and we had we had a really awesome team. I really enjoyed my leaders, um, and I was super super glad with the team that I had been placed on. I had a few teammates uh, that had also been on Dream Team the years prior to me, so I had built a connection with them, and I had con- built a connection with some of uh, the other people on the team as well. Um, that summer wasn't necessarily as awesome as the others, um, for a few different reasons. I was on a different team that wasn't necessarily, uh, didn't necessarily have the time to explore depth with the rest of the team. Like I had experienced the, the few years before I was on a team that was, always go, go, going. And somebody was always taking care of something. We were never all together, um, at the same, we were seldomly, uh, all together at the same time. You know, if I was doing a game and then the rest of my group was preparing for the next activity, maybe it was, uh, the ropes course. And while the ropes course was setting up, we're setting up for worship because worship was part of, um, the program team that I was on. Um, So I didn't get to see some of my friends, the ones that had, uh, 
been a part of the team with me in the years prior had moved to counseling positions or uh, were still on dream team and were still a little bit younger than me. Um, so we kind of split up, which was totally okay. Um, but one of the teams was having a lot of issues, uh, a lot of like personal issues, um, and, and really digging in deep to a lot of those personal issues. And that effect affected like the camp. Uh, I don't know. To me, it felt like it, it, it affected the camp morale. Um, it felt like we weren't getting the support from the team that we needed. And, um, it ended up being a pretty rocky summer for me, not necessarily having, uh, the support that I had had it, that I had had and expected in the past. Um, and now not have, and then it being rocky and on top of that, um, And there were a lot of uh, expectations of me that made my job super hard. Um, The director was gone a lot of the summer dealing with uh, a lot of personal issues. He had a lot of deaths um, that summer and um, in his family, deaths in his family that summer. And they were, it was really brutal summer for him. Um, So a lot of direction was... uh, not necessarily gone, just not clear, uh, for the rest of the lead staff. And so it made my job a little bit harder when, um, it wasn't clear what activities I was supposed to be running. I was in charge of, um, the bounce house as well as like archery tag and, um, making sure that the slip and slide was going correctly and that the night game was planned planned for and that the day game was planned for. And so I was always on my toes. Um, not necessarily, I didn't, I didn't not have direction, but I didn't have, uh, the clearest direction on what was expected, um, day to day. And then very little support based on the team that was supposed to be helping me because they had all of their personal issues going on. Um, so that was hard. Another thing that made that summer really hard is on program team, you're up in front of the audience the whole time. You act as a celebrity. You don't get to see the fruit of what's going on at camp. You aren't, um, necessarily at the depth that you were, uh, on dream team with your, uh, with your peers And then you aren't on counseling team and the counselors are having deep discussions with their kids every day, day in, day out. And they are seeing the fruit of their work of spending time with them and, and ministering to these kids and really hearing their life story and, and pointing them in directions based off of the Bible and, and what God has, um, called them to do. And as one of the camp celebrities on on program team, it was really hard and discouraging because I would, um, not necessarily have the direction that I wanted for an activity. And then 
when the activity was over, you know, I was, I definitely felt super rocky about it, but then I had no backing that, hold on, like, that counselor over there and that kid playing together meant so much more to that kid than you'll ever know, and God was able to work through that more than you were able, ever able to know, um, so I didn't get to see the fruit of all of this frustration that was happening throughout the summer, um, and so that camp was, that the camp time was pretty brutal. Um, and then I moved into my internship period. And what I had seen from my time as a lead back at the church <clears throat> on zone staff was that the interns had a lot of responsibility, Philida's interns had a lot of responsibility um, with kind of the same thing that I had experienced at camp with not a whole lot of clear direction or um, not a whole lot of like interaction with the person that was at the top and structuring the whole thing, I guess you could say. Um, and so when I moved into my camp internship, I saw a lot of similarities that I had seen amongst the interns at, that were, that had worked at Philida in the past. Um, the assistant director who was my boss at the time had made it pretty clear to me and the other intern that he did not want to be the assistant director um, and that he was looking for a new job and that they were in this phasing out uh, space of this job. And so he was training the next guy to fill his place or handing off his responsibilities or teaching the guy or person who, who, who to talk to and how to organize and run camp. And so, um, that happened and he also took a lot of vacation time. So me and the other intern got no, little to no, um, spiritual growth or spiritual depth, um, that you would expect from an intern in the field of ministry. And when it came to a practical level, we were running camps for 350 plus at times. <clears throat> and the director would be complete, the assistant director would completely be out of the picture because he was on vacation. And so um, there were times where we left to the whole camp, running the whole camp, while uh, strangers came in and rented the camp for. Uh, you know, their family camps or their summer activities. And we had, we had some idea of how they were structured and what to do. And if things went wrong, what we needed to be, what needed to be done, like from a facilities perspective. Um, But we were left with question marks above our heads quite often when the assistant director wasn't around. Um, 
during that time, during that time as an intern, I was to go to a different city. Part of the program was, part of the internship was I was to be sent to a church to help out with VBS for the summer for one of the weeks. And um, it felt super rocky and the director um, had set it up but was so occupied with a lot of the personal stuff that was going on in his life, which is completely fair, that I ended up showing up to this church and... I found out that they didn't actually need me and that was, it was pretty frustrating and it felt, it felt like I could be doing more for camp instead of going to this random church to run a VBS or help without with a VBS that had plenty of volunteers and that, um, that didn't, I don't know, didn't need my help <clears throat> at all and wasn't really prepared for me. They didn't give me tasks to do when VBS wasn't happening. Um, and so, I don't know, I guess I felt useless as I um, went there and knew that the other intern and the assistant director who was starting the phasing out period um we're running camps as large as 350. Something else that made that summer pretty pretty rough as an intern was I wasn't getting the spiritual nourishment that I needed. Um, a requirement for being an intern is you had to go to church every Sunday. Um, and camp turnover happened on Sunday. Camps would check out on Sunday usually by 11, and then the next camp would come uh, by 2 that next day. And so there was not really any way that... And we were in charge of cleaning the whole camp, deep cleaning, so that the next camp was walking into a clean camp. Um, And it was expected of me to go to church every Sunday, um, but practically it wasn't happening. I don't think I went to church once that uh, summer as an intern. Um... And with the assistant director being gone so much, um, because you could tell he was clearly burnt out, which I don't blame him for taking vacations. I really don't. Um, Going through the burnout of the church that I'll talk about later, um, I definitely experienced this, like, he he experienced burnout for sure. Um, And I could tell. And so I think that was completely fair of him to take a vacation. Um, but when he was back from vacation, he would have these times where he would try to sit down with us and be a spiritual mentor, but he hadn't been around most of the summer. So it felt very awkward and, um, disingenuous to be trying to lead a spiritual discussion with us and about how the summer was going and do this like check-in. So at the end of that summer, I ended up going and meeting with the one of the guys from the board of directors for camp, kind of just sharing my insights and experience with camp. I knew that the phasing out process was going to move from an assistant director that lived up at camp full-time 
to a two facilities interns um, full time throughout the year. And based on my experience, you know, I had, I had built this like connection with camp, like I really valued camp and took on camp as my own. I had uh, moved through the through the ranks, I guess you could call it. Um, You know, I had started at the lowest of lows as not necessarily the least valuable team member, but um, I had worked my way through each team and got a bit of a taste of every team of camp. So I really cared about camp and I wasn't going to intern for camp if I didn't care about it. Um, And I was very much okay with the idea of the assistant director leaving. I think he was very good at his job. Um, as far as like networking goes, that was a big part of his job as well. Not only taking care of camp, but making sure that relationships are built with these, um, different communities in Christ, different, uh, subsects of, of the Christian religion. Um, but something that I didn't agree with that camp was going to move forward with, um, was, taking out the assistant director role and replacing it with the two facilities interns. Um, and I kind of expressed that during my time with the, um, with the, with one of the board of directors guys. And I ended up going, wandering into, uh, the other interns meeting with the director of camp, um, and he he looked at me and he said, hey, hey, Noah, like, I haven't really talked to you all summer. Like, t- this summer's been crazy. Like, um, I haven't talked to you at all or checked in with you. And, like, you're my intern, so that feels really weird. How are you doing? And I was like, well, that's kind of it. Like, there hasn't been a whole lot of guidance or there hasn't been a whole lot of um, what I understood an intern to be, This this process of walking alongside somebody, not only in the faith, but also in the practical living of doing it. You know, we were doing a lot of um, plumbing and groundskeeping work that I wasn't necessarily familiar with. And the other intern was, but there were some things that he didn't know. And we really needed the support of the director and the assistant director for. And I kind of explained that to him and kind of explained like uh, how his expectations of my job, not only as an intern, but also as uh, a program games team member impacted my summer. And uh, I ended up wrapping up that conversation by telling him that uh, I didn't think that based on my experience of being an intern, one of two interns, that the move of assistant director stepping down and that position being eliminated and then two other interns filling that position was a wise move. Um, and the assistant director, in my opinion, made it pretty clear that he wasn't a fan of me telling him that his idea wasn't a good idea. Um, and he, he ended up looking at me, uh, and starting that conversation with Noah, there is so much that I could say to you right now, and there's so much that I could tell you right now, but you just won't get it. 
and then proceeded to try and explain to me, um, in a roundabout way, like how I was stepping out of line by telling him what camp, how camp should operate. Um, and kind of, I don't know, it felt, it felt very belittling of like, well, I'm the director, you're the intern, like, what do you know? Um, and I walked away from camp and went home from camp actually, um, with not, with honestly not a very good taste in my mouth. Um, I already had a pretty bad taste in my mouth of that summer. Um, but that conversation definitely hurt of like, there's so much that I could tell you, but you're just not going to get it. Like you've experienced all of all, almost all of the positions at camp. Um, and you know how camp operates and you've made a relationship with all of, uh, these camp people and you've made a relationship with, uh, the rental groups, but, um, you're just not going to get it if I try and explain my plan for you. Um, so the director, so moving a few years forward and kind of wrapping up the whole camp thing, um, the director ended up, the assistant director ended up stepping down, um, to my knowledge, how they had planned and they opened up the position. They switched it to, so after telling the two interns that they had in mind, uh, that they would have the job as interns, they ended up switching that model and they went to a, I don't know what the title, the specific title is, but, um, moved to like a facilities coordinator position. So instead of an assistant director, it's just a facilities coordinator. And they had promised, um, one of the people lined up for it, that that position was for him and he was just about to get married. And so that position was for him. And then there was another position that was open. It was the facilities coordinator. And then like the hospitality coordinator or something for the woman. And, uh, that application ended up staying open longer than what they said it was. And, um, he ended up not getting the job after they had told him that he would have, they would have the job. Um, and he's one of my close friends. So it, it kind of, I don't know. It camp still has this like really weird, place in my heart of like, I really love camp and I, I really have a heart for camp and what it's doing. Um, but man, they've done a lot of things that not, not a lot. They've done a few things to me that have stung and have also done a few things to the people surrounding, um, me and camp that have also stung as well. So, um, I moved back home. And I, I think that I had started a mentorship at this time. I end up starting a new, new internship through the church, through Philida. Um, I started my junior year of college at WSU. Um, and I 
I had previously told my mentor that I did not want to be a youth intern at the church because I had recognized how my experience at camp reflected the interns, what I had witnessed the interns experience, um, at the church, very little guidance, um, a lot of fill in the gap type of work, um, a lot of burnout and lack of volunteers. Um, so while I was writing my story down, I put, I finally put the pieces together of when I went to my internship to be a discipleship intern underneath the discipleship coordinator, I, I knew what I wanted from an internship. I had seen and experienced um, the, the hurt of an internship and the lack of guidance in an internship. And so I made it really clear on day one a lot of those things was the spiritual guidance and the walking along, not only in uh, like spiritual life, but also in practicality in doing the functions of discipleship for an entire congregation. And I was very hesitant at first <clears throat> to do this internship after getting out of what I experienced to be a very hurtful and um, not so healthy internship. And I made it pretty clear, like, this is how my summer went. And this is how I've seen the church operate with interns before. And that's not how I want to do it. This is how I want to do it. I knew that I didn't want the, the shitty title for the big responsibility. Um, not sure, but wh- I'm not sure why as people we get so involved with um, an activity or a program or a place that we start to like think that we know best for what that program place or thing is. Um, but I had seen some things that how the interns at Philida previously operated and I knew that I didn't that I didn't want those things. Um, that I didn't want the no guidance. Uh, I didn't want the, uh, the lack of volunteers alongside me. I didn't want the lack of leadership. Um, I didn't want the entire weight outside of my job category to, um, dictate how I operated in the church. Um, in turn, in how I've experienced it, was the grunt work of the facility, whether that was camp or me observing the church. And so when I went and did my internship, I was very clear on how I wanted my internship to look. And I'm really happy to say that it did go how I wanted. Um, I think that there were probably rocky steps, uh, looking back, but the internship had the guidance and the, uh, yeah, guidance, the guidance that I had wanted and, and pursued. Um, 
with within zone i had moved up now that i was an intern i was um among some of the leaders of zone um and it was it is it still is it was and still is very fulfilling <clears throat> to raise up young leaders to work and operate a program um with your guidance there were there were times towards the end of my zone career that I I didn't need to be at zone because I had along with my fellow leads taught and led and uh guided the high schoolers on how to run the program how to interact with these kids in a um like an lgbtq uh era and how to um love them and meet them where they're at and how to um share the gospel and teach philida back in the day did kind of like a scope like a scope or a scouting or um I don't know. They kept their eye on some of the uh, youth that showed signs of leadership as well as wanted to be um, wanted to be in a leadership category, but also had the the wherewithal to be in a leadership role. Um. And I was selected as one of them, and they asked me to be a tag leader. And I was totally down to be a tag leader. I think I I was super happy that they asked me, um, and I was really, really hyped on the idea that I could impact some of these guys' lives like younger guys lives the way that my leader impacted me and that these guys could form, you know, lifelong relationships that I had experienced, uh, within my own tag group. And so I accepted that and ended up teaching tag and they kind of, they kind of just throw a group of, of young kids at you with, um, Again, little to no guidance, which um, it's crazy, pretty crazy looking back. But um, I had been leading at Zone. I had done a lot of stuff at camp. I I was very prepared to do so. Um, so I ended up leading tag, co-leading tag with uh, another guy somewhere in there. Uh, not entirely important. Um, I ended up started. I started dating Malia, and then we ended up getting engaged. And when we got engaged, we were both on the same page and we were both leads at Zone at the time. Um, That We were both on the same page that we weren't necessarily needed at Zone because we had already built leaders that could take our place and probably do, some in some cases, a much better job than us. Um, And so we announced that we were going to be stepping away from zone 
Um, and then I think we got engaged after that. I'm not sure. Um, but when our engagement happened, a lot of the people surrounding us in our community were super happy for us. Um, but something that we experienced, which was kind of weird, was a lot of the people that we had never talked to or never built a relationship with in the church had ended up saying things to us or saying things to our parents of like, this is not a good idea for them to get engaged. Um, which definitely hurt, but I think it was easy to brush off that, um, you know, those, these people don't know us or don't have a relationship with us. So they can kind of just move out of the way. Um, we ended up attending my wife and I, we ended up attending Philida up until we got married in May of 2019. And then we started to do this phasing out. Um, after the end of the school year, this new program had been introduced to the church that would take place of tag. So, or at least take place of tag partially. So tag was meant to be uh, a lifelong thing. And the program that was proposed was to be uh, tag would exist until middle school is over, then high school would start. And voyage would begin, which is just, uh, like a high school youth group, um, which would begin the summer of 2019 that they would start to do this like startup campaign type thing. And then, uh, 2019 new school year in September was when voyage would start and leading tag for two years prior, I had, developed a connection with these guys. I had built what I felt was a really good teaching style um, and kind of broke the pattern that didn't necessarily work for me in tag. I think there's this generational um, existence of pattern where you can only do what you saw was taught to you um, or what you experienced. I know that tag leaders before my tag leader, um, you know, they only could do the best they could with what they had. Um, and then the tag leader that followed, you know, they could only do the best with what they had been shown or what they had as well. Um, and then they would kind of build on from that. And something that I experienced was, you know, this legalistic checklist item thing, um, that was genuine at the root, but didn't necessarily feel genuine along the lines of the question, well, how is your spiritual walk going actually? Like, how are you actually doing? Like, tell us, you know, how does your heart feel about that? Or what are you experiencing from that? How did you interpret that? Um, kind of asking more difficult questions, um, as well as teaching from, uh, what was being learned in school. I think a lot of the previous tag leaders um, that had been a part of Philida went to Multnomah Bible College and uh, 
taught lessons from what they were passionate about, not necessarily um, what the kids wanted to learn. And as a tag leader myself, I definitely experienced that too. Like I wanted to teach the things that I was passionate about, not necessarily the things that the kids wanted to learn. Um, which is definitely a bummer. Um, so when Voyage is announced, the time came to break the news to my tag group of, hey guys, like this thing that we had started off knowing as like, you're going to build these lifelong friends and make these not lifelong connections. Uh, the structure for that purpose is now gone. Um, and the room just sank right there, like the, fl- the ceiling through the floor and beyond. Um, that like this good thing that we had going was going to end. Um, and I, I felt it and I tried to hype up Voyage as much as possible. Voyage wasn't a program that I was going to be a part of, uh, because the coordinator at the time, uh, had experienced burnout and knew what burnout looked like. And he didn't want to, uh, overload me. And so I wasn't going to be a part of that. And so when I kind of told them this plan of like relinquishing them into the wild, they all left that room just bawling their eyes out that this awesome thing with this awesome purpose had to end. Um, and then I cried the entire ride home. Um, like I had, I felt like I had let all these guys down that I was responsible for hurting them, that I didn't stick up for um, this purpose and this idea of tag, um, and that I kind of just like let Voyage move or the high school youth group move into um, what it was without putting up a fight. And then to even build on that, the time came where my wife and I were, my internship had ended uh, soon after I got married. And I had just announced that tag was coming to an end. Uh, I was had already previously announced that my time at Zone was going to be done. Um, so I had no like involvement with the church on like an activity level. Um, so this is when the discussion started of, well, maybe it's time to leave Philida. And so to build on that whole tag thing, I did end up leaving Philida. Um, and I feel really bad about this, uh, super guilty about it, that I had told my tag guys, like, well, like, I'll see some of you guys next su- or next fall when you guys start up school and that, like, we're still going to be um, trekking along as much as, like, the activities of the church and the church structure will allow us. Um, And then I ended up leaving the church and there wasn't necessarily like a goodbye moment to those guys. Like I stopped seeing them in the summer when they weren't going to school anymore. Um, And then I left that summer around August, I would say. And I left for, a multitude of reasons, um, getting married. And so I, I had filled my time up with a lot of church activities 
And um, those activities zone and uh, leading a tag group and being an intern, those things took up from my day job that helped support my marriage and me financially living on my own, which moving out was an awesome freedom that I kind of mentioned earlier of getting out and being able to experience like life without my parents. Um, I feel like I have a better connection with them now that I moved out than I did when I was living in their house. Um, but with no involvement with the church or actively teaching, it allowed time kind of like Drew talked about in his episode. Um, it allowed time to step back and kind of, uh, dive deeper and dig deeper into like, what do I actually believe? Um, it had prompted a lot of questions of just like Bible basic questions. Like, how do I know that the Bible is truth or how do I know that God is real? How do I know that heaven is an actual place? Um, how do I know that I'm going to go there when I die? Um, not necessarily how, but am I like to ask myself those deep questions that I didn't feel comfortable and rightfully so I believe didn't feel comfortable asking those questions being in a teaching role. I think it feels very, um, hypocritical to be asking yourself like, is God actually real? while trying to teach people that God is actually real. Um, and so those, those questions came up. Um, is the Bible truth? Um, and then even smaller questions that I had, um, that I needed to figure out. I, I kind of compare leaving the church to, um, a man leaving his father and mother and cleaving to his wife. Um, there were a lot of like small things that I needed to figure out. Like, uh, can a woman be a pastor? What are the responsibilities, um, of the man and the woman in a marriage? How is my marriage going to function, um, in response, in response with the scripture? Um, is church for the outsider or the insider? Uh, what kind of church do I want to be a part of? That's not an option that I was able to explore. Like I was born into the church. Like I was born into the faith. Like my parents had chosen Philida. Um, and the same for Kai and JB as well. Like um, we were all born into Philida. Well, not necessarily Kai, now that I think about it a little bit more. Um, but now I've entered this time of life where I get to choose where I want to go. Um, or if I even want to leave, um, what kind of church do I want my kids to be raised in? That's also another good question because now I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum where first I wasn't, I didn't get the choice, but now I do get the choice and now I get to choose for somebody else when that somebody else comes along. 
Um, something that was really, really hard for me to wrap my head around as well, um, being a part of the church and then evaluating on whether or not I needed to leave, uh, was my relationship to community. I do not do community well, and I don't know why. It is still something that I am uncovering, but as an introvert, I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that there are people that want to hang out with me or that I have a voice in other people's lives, even though I had been teaching so much. Um, but I think more so in, in peer relationships and, um, and how I understood interacting with God's community. I had grown up in the church and I was able to witness, um, a pretty messy, um, premarital relationship, uh, premarital sexual relationship that ended up leading to kids. And, um, the way that I interpreted and experienced the community of Philida interacting with this couple, um, didn't sit right with me. And there were a few other like smaller situations that didn't necessarily feel right to me of, okay, if, if we are to, uh, be loving people, what does loving a broken community look like? Um, and to the extent of a sexual relationship that, uh, the, the, well, benefits. <laughs> the one of the benefits to a sexual relationship is children, because um, this couple did have kids. Um, the benefit, but also the uh, I don't know consequences. I guess to that, like, what does that look like? Um, yeah, just what does that look like? How do I love these people, um, and how do I interact with them in community? Um, a question that I had, um, a question that I had also asked and kind of uncovered is what is my personal tank that I can hold, hold for people's messiness or how can I actively be, uh, how can people actively be in my life and then receive the amount of attention and that they deserved for the amount of messiness that they have. Um, my wife did and still sometimes does. Um, she did something at the beginning of our marriage was, uh, she would hang out with her friends, but she would ask me to go and hang out with the husbands of her friends. Um, which is completely overwhelming to me. Like, why should I be the one to hang out with these people and, and to be their best friend and to experience a connection with them when I have all of these other relationships that are, um, cracking or I am experiencing this dream team that I've always looked up to like 
they're all one by one falling away from God or they're one by one, like going through like pretty radical decisions in their life. We, we had Drew on Drew's one of those dream team members where, and he's one of the last people to, um, I guess you could use the word crack, um, in his faith where he came out as gay and that's not something that the church believes. Um, they, the, the beliefs do not align and nor do my beliefs align on that. Um, and so those are being allowed to ask those questions and kind of dive deeper into my faith and really solidify how I treat people as well as how I love people and how I've experienced love at this community um, were some of the reasons that I left. I mentioned financial reasons as well. Um, And just the logistics of it, my wife and I didn't have... um, we didn't have days off together. We had mornings off together, which happened to be Sunday mornings. Um, and so instead of trying to, you know, roll out of bed at 8 a.m. and try and make it to church on, or it was like 8.30, maybe 9, and try and make it to church together, didn't necessarily seem practical, nor did it seem healthy to our marriage since we had just got married and we weren't hardly spending enough time. I think another question that I that I struggled with and actually struggled with a lot and Kai knows this is growing up in the church I never felt like I had a mission field necessarily like I was always frustrated that God would speak very clearly to me but never in like a Noah go here or Noah do this move this direction uh, choosing college and choosing to go to WCU was really hard for me because I didn't feel like that was a calling. I felt like that was just a choice I had to make and that God was going to work through that. Um, and so that was something to evaluate when making the decision to leave Philida as well Is like, what is my people group or what is my mission field? Some people, it's their friends that, you know, are crazy partiers or um, maybe they're atheists or it's the LGBTQ people or it's um, going to a completely different country and writing the Bible in their language or maybe it's your family and your family doesn't know Christ um, and you never grew up in the church and I never got a go here moment and that was something that I was always searching for Um, and now being married that was something that was a decision that we had to make together of well, what is our mission field going to be? Um, I always made this joke of like Mormons have it so easy. They just get a letter in the mail and telling them where to go and then they go and do it. And then and by the time they come back, they're married, you know? Um, and so, but, and it's a funny exaggerated example, but I think that really like shows like I so desperately, wanted like a Noah go here do this this is your people these these people need you and need 
um, you to show them the love of Christ for this amount of time or until we say, or until God says, okay, go somewhere else. Um, so with that, with all of those reasons and how I experienced, um, this like love, how to love people, um, after experiencing all of that, and then my wife experiencing uh, a few of the similar things, uh, but she has her own story, um, we decided to leave Philida. The church hunting process began. Um, we attended multiple different churches uh, and explored a lot of these big questions that I... Um, that I had been wondering, some of the big questions that my wife had been wondering, um, something that was, that's a common denominator for, at least what I know of, uh, a common denominator for those that attend Multnomah Bible College, like my wife did, um, is you actually leave with more questions than when you showed up. Um, and so there were a lot of question marks for her too, but she had a a little bit more solidified, uh, I don't know, checklist sheet of questions that she had kind of figured out. Um, and what she was looking to give to a church by joining it, as well as um, looking to receive from a church. My wife has uh, a double major in Bible and theology and then family ministry. So this was another option to explore as well. Well, now we're no longer tied to Philida. My wife has Bible degrees and she is passionate about loving people where they're at and is passionate about ministry. What if she was to get a job in the church? And so she started hunting for jobs um, at different churches. So it just made sense for us to leave the church and when we did so, we just started hopping around. Um, we went to multiple different churches. Uh, I think the clear indicator that a church wasn't for us was when we sat down and went to a church for almost two, almost three months. And nobody had ever said anything to us except for the hay at the door from the greeters. Um, we experienced a few other churches. And... Um, kind of crossed those off the list as churches that we didn't want to attend after giving them, a, you know, multiple attempts, um, uh, going to different services. That was another thing. We were still on this weird schedule of, um, not seeing each other very often. So it would have been beneficial for us to find, uh, a Wednesday night service, which Crossroads conveniently got rid of as soon as we got married, um, not that Crossroads would have been a church. I'm not sure if we're a mega church uh, family, but I could be wrong. Uh, I could be proven wrong. God, I dare you to prove me wrong. Um, so after church hunting for a few months, we enter COVID. Um, with the spread of miscommunication and... Uh, the media kind of having a grip on 
the coronavirus, most churches moved to a uh, online format, completely closed in general, um, had to switch things up. You know, we're all cooped up inside trying to figure out, okay, how do we operate within this? Church kind of gets put on the back burner. Um, so that provided more time for my wife and I, as well as everybody else in the world to kind of reevaluate and really nail in like what we believe and gave us more time to evaluate those questions that um, I had had and that my wife had had and how we uh, experienced our church community and the in kind of the evangelical Baptist community, uh, how they deal with loving people through their sins, um, gave us more time to explore that instead of jumping directly into a church, uh, kind of pondering those questions, which was good at some parts, but um, I don't know. We really liked the idea of being able to jump into a church and having... Um, like, what can we offer mindset instead of what can we take? Um, and as, you know, super broken people questioning, um, at times, the existence of God, at least for me, not necessarily for my wife at all, um, what what can I provide while, you know, asking these questions? Um, so we run into the COVID wall, and uh, as of now kind of moving into the now, um, we are going to a church and have been going to a church for a little while now, as you know, our schedules permit us. Um, we're going to a church now that doesn't require masks, which is very freeing. Um, like as soon as you walk in, nobody's wearing a mask and it's a really good feeling to just escape from, all the noise in life, I guess, like I, something that I didn't want to do was to, um, do the whole church searching thing, but get involved in the church politics of it all and have a church argue over if they should wear masks or not. Um, and have the congregation argue over that. That wasn't an environment that I wanted to walk into after walking out of, um, you know, kind of questioning everything environment. Um, and so that's why we've decided to land at the church that we're going to now. Um, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that their church structure is healthy from what I've seen. Um, and I need to do more digging and I need to do my diligence that I continue to put off. Um, and I need to continue to explore some of those questions. At the moment, it's just a uh, man and his wife leading the church. There is no board of directors that I'm aware of. Um, they're a bit more, they're less Baptist, a little bit more uh, free and engaging with the spirit, which kind of leaves room for more error, um, at least in theology. So I don't think it's a church that we're going to continue to go to. Um, or land at permanently for a time period, but it's where we're going right now because, um, it gives, it gives us what we need 
to recharge. And I don't think that's a bad thing to uh, show up a church, show up to church with a "this is what I need" mindset, uh, because I think that that can be very quickly switched to, "Well, hold on, this is what I can give now," um, and relationships can be built there. And um, or in that process of "this is what I need," you actually learn what you need, and you can go to another church seeking seeking that. And I don't mean like what I need as in like, this is what the program has to be. And this is what the structure has to be. Just the overarching themes, purpose statements, theology, making sure that those things line up because uh, ultimately God's community, the church is flawed because we're all sinful people. Um, So with all that to say something that I am, among those questions, a lot of those I have, COVID helped me nail down uh, that, yes, I do believe, like, God is real. Jesus was a real person. Heaven is a real place. Like, a lot of the fundamentals have been nailed down, um, but there's still a lot of question marks next to some of those questions without answers. Um, one of the big ones that I mentioned at the beginning is, why don't I do community well? Who was it that actually hurt me? Um, whether it's in a church community, whether it was as a child that something my parents said or did, or it was a friend. Um, why don't I do community well? Um, and is it okay that I set the limitations on community the way that I do? Um, that's something that'll have to be dug up in counseling that I continue to uh, push off. <laughs> um something that I kind of have come to the conclusion on when it comes to young people leaving the church. I think my parents did a really good job of teaching me about Christianity and the Bible and and how to function in a Christian environment. Um, Other people's parents taught me this, you know, church leaders taught me this, peers taught me this. Um, that all of the right things, they, they, all of those people taught me the right things about the church. They taught me the truth. They did the best they can or could with the things that they had. Um, but I think that universally, a lot of young people leave the church because because of that reason alone, a lot of people are taught what love and truth looks like. I think that especially young teens leave the church primarily not because they don't know Jesus, but because they do and their environment didn't reflect that or they weren't taught properly or they never understood or it wasn't stressed enough that it's Jesus and his bride, the church, not Jesus and his perfect thing that we attend every Sunday with a checklist item. Um, Yeah, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. I think another thing that I want to leave off with, Christians have such a high bar, and when people don't meet the standards, we, or if I was to personalize this, which I have done and... um, I'm guilty of this. I judge them 
instead of flood them with the love and grace and Jesus, um, which is the whole reason that Jesus exists because we fall every time we're left to our own accord, um, which is the reason of Jesus. Um, and when I see that in, you know, how to love people in the, in the church, especially with, uh, the one couple that I mentioned earlier, like they continually chose sin. Something that, that I was struggling with within the questions was how do I love people and continue to be in community with people who continue, quote, continue to choose sin over and over again. Um, I use JB as an example, like it wasn't, I, I learned, I don't know, I guess I would say pretty early that JB was, you know, in this leadership role and then kind of phased out of Philida as well. Um, and ended up sleeping with girls before marriage. Um, and when I evaluate JB and I's relationship, cutting him out of the equation or boycotting him so that he'll run back to Jesus, um, or cutting him out or, you know, using the book in his face technique, um, to show him that, you know, the way of living, that he is living is not correct and not right. None of those, in my experience, none of those tactics build relationship, nor do they show the love of Christ to JB. And I think that that example of JB's life kind of goes throughout all of, um, all of my time at Philida and not just Philida either. I mean, there were parts of camp, uh, members of camp and, you know, even my friends that would claim to be Christian and yet sin, um, and quote, you know, continually choose to sin. Um, and then to look back on how I experienced tag, and how I taught tag, the question was never fully asked of like, what's actually going on in life? Um, it felt like there wasn't a place to get really messy and dirty and gross and involved with JB's sin or anyone that was struggling with some sort of sin that was put on blast or made public for the church. Um, and when it was put on blast or made public for the church, I didn't feel that it was handled in a loving manner. And it's not my place to say that what it's not entirely my place to say like that person didn't love that couple or that person didn't, you know, show love to, this community member or that couple didn't show love to her or that couple didn't or those people didn't show love to that family and it's not how am I trying to explain this it's not um I don't know it doesn't feel loving for me to just cut JB out of my life because he continually chooses to sin every day 
or he is super messy and I just don't want to get involved with his messiness. And so I'm just going to cut him out or, um, go around this, like probably much deeper rooted issue than just this person decided to, uh, sleep with another congregation member's wife, or these two people had a child out of wedlock, or, you know, JB's sleeping with girls out of wedlock. Like, it doesn't... Is it wrong? Yes. 100%. That is what I believe. But is the way of loving them that I have seen and experienced correct? Not in my opinion. Again, that's not the only reason I left Philida, that my wife and I left Philida. Um, that's just one of. There are so many factors that come to leaving Philida and kind of selecting a new church. Like, I do want to be involved in, in church. Uh, it's a boundary that my wife and I have set of we aren't even going to entertain the idea of having kids until we are plugged into a church because we want our kids to be plugged into a church. Um, there are a bunch of other boundaries that come with making kids. That's where I'm at. And that's my story. Um, I did leave out a few parts and I'm sure some of this got cut in post. Um, we're about to have a discussion about it. As you can tell by listening to this and kind of maybe tracking my voice throughout this series, I'm still experiencing, uh, a lot of things again, if that makes sense. Like I didn't fully understand the weight of something or the weight of what I believed or the weight of the question that I was asking. And so I'm re-experiencing that question. Um, I still have a lot of question marks next to, uh, some of these topics, especially community. I know that that's something that I need to go to counseling for, um, as well as many other things. And so, um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. And, uh, I'm sure that by the time you've heard this, I am still working through that as well as have drawn some more conclusions about what I believe. Um, thanks for sitting and listening to this. Um, if something didn't make sense, uh, please ask questions. Please ask clarifying questions. We're going to have a fan questions episode, like I mentioned earlier. Um, we're going to do our discussion right after this. So uh, you guys will have to listen to it next week. And hopefully that will give you a, a better picture. I know that Kai is really good at asking questions. And um, JB is good at asking questions too. And both of them came up with my story. So... We're going to explore some more of my story next week.